Oh, man. Good morning, church. So uh, while the girls are handing things out, who's excited about December? What does December mean to you? Two weeks off. I like that. Two birthdays. And we got Jesus' birthday. Most important one. It's not about gifts. It's about the ultimate gift. Um, His gift. His presence. I heard uh, somebody say one to, once to me, uh, oh, that's another story. It'll take me in the weeds. I don't want to go there today. Uh, boy, what an exciting weekend it's been. So I was, uh, I'll bring you up to speed on your pastor here. So we've attended a couple major events this year. We went and saw Brandon Lake in Roseville. That was pretty awesome. Guy loves the Lord, loves the singing, loves to praise and worship. And we got to see Stephen Furtick, Elevation Worship, at the Golden One Center a while back. A lot of fun. Big worship, big crowd. Very exciting. You know, you got thousands of believers in one place. Hands up. Everybody's praising God. Then you got last night. I'm at the Golden One Center. Yes. Yes. Your pastor's at the Ice Cube concert. Totally opposite. So, I'm at this concert last night. We're at the Golden One Center, and it's a smoke fest. Like, it's green, green trees coming. I mean, I smell things I've never smelt before. It was weird. It was like, wow, I don't even, I don't even know how people survive this stuff that's on the streets today. And... Um, so the concert's running late. You know, normally I like to do concerts that start at 7, end at 10. I leave at 9.45. And I beat the traffic and I'm home. So we get to this concert. And mind you, it's been a long day. I, I got up early. I got up early. There was a powerlifting meet here in town. You guys know how I love powerlifting. So I'm at the meet early in the morning, hanging out, supporting some lifters. Thank you, my dear hanging out with some of my buddies that are lifters and supporting them while they were out on the platform. And then I'm like, then I got to go back and do my own grueling training because I can't skip that. And then I got to get ready for this concert and hopefully I'll be home in time and I'll get enough rest and I'll feel good tomorrow for church. And so we get to the concert and I'm looking at the venue and they start showing you a schedule of when the artists are coming out. Now your pastor likes to be in bed, 10.45 max every day, Monday through Sunday. So I'm looking and it says that Ice Cube's not coming out on the stage till 10.25. And I'm thinking, man, I can work with that. I can just go home, sleep a few extra minutes, and be to church on time. No one's going to miss me if I'm not there at 9.00. So Ice Cube, now all the artists that are up there, they're going about 25 minutes. A lot of people you don't know or, didn't, or maybe listen to in your other times. Anyways, it was a good show. So finally, Ice Cube comes on, and he doesn't perform for 25 minutes. He proceeds to entertain, which he's a great entertainer. He did a great job. 
He goes for a little over an hour. It's now pretty late. My buddy that was with us, they drove in their own car. About 15 minutes before ice finishes, they're like, we're out of here, bro. We're beating the traffic. I'm like, okay, cool, man. My wife's diehard. We're staying till the end. <laughs> Paid money. Paid money for this. So they leave. Parked right next to me in the parking structure a couple blocks away. So the concert ends, and I just want to grab the four people that are with me, and I just want to tear them through everybody like, like Bo Jackson crossing the goal line, right? And that's pretty much my goal. I'm moving as quick as I can through the crowd. Just hold on to me. Let's go. I find the quickest exit. Everybody's going in different directions. I see this exit stairwell. I just go through the doors. It doesn't even look like you're supposed to go that way. Boom, puts us right on the street. I'm like, perfect. Let's go. So get all the way to my truck. Not my gray truck, my white truck. Get all the way to my white truck. I get in the truck. I put the key in the ignition. I said, let's go home. It's a 50-minute drive. And I go to turn it, and it's dead. And I'm like, I wonder how many good Samaritans are in this parking lot that are not also trying to get home right now because they got to be to church early in the morning, and they are going to want to stop and help us. One person stopped to help us. And uh, to no avail, my five-year-old truck has a five-year-old battery that your pastor didn't think about because that five-year-old battery did not jump. So your pastor finally decided to call an audible, knowing that he had to be here this morning at 10 a.m. while we had dispatched a tow truck. Mind you, I'm in a six-foot-eight clearance parking structure, so no truck will be coming in to pull this truck out. I'll probably have to talk to them to bring a pickup truck, try to fix it, and if it still needs a flatbed, then they're going to have to drag it out to get it to the flatbed. So at which point your pastor calls an audible. And uh, we kind of discuss, we take a lift. We drive a lift all the way home. I leave my truck there. So when we're done here, which I'm going to wrap this up, we're about done, five minutes. I got to go get a battery. I got to go back to Sacramento, and I got to get my truck before, you know, I expense four days of parking. Um, so it was, a, it was a crazy night, right? And uh, my wife says something that she always says in these instances, because the first thing that my wife told me was, you guys know, there was a, a little bit of a storm yesterday. And then when I put in the zip code for the concert, it showed 100% chance of rain, six-tenths of an inch from like 5 to 11. So I'm like, man, we're going to be standing outside waiting for security in the rain. Rain, rain. Windy rain. It, it, who said Moses? <laughs> right there. Thank you, Annette. We were in the lobby talking, and that's like, oh, that was like Moses. You were like Moses. Because we left to go to Sacramento. The skies parted. It was clear skies the rest of the night. It was really weird. So we didn't deal with the rain in that instance. But um, my, wife's all, my wife doesn't like us driving in the rain. She says, you know I don't like the rain. I want you to be very careful today taking us and going. I said, okay. So when all this happened, emotion goes out the window for me. Your pastor didn't get angry. I didn't get loud. I didn't get frustrated. My next solution was, okay, what's next? I'm going to flag somebody down, ask somebody if they have jumper cables, because I thought I had some. I didn't. And so uh, I remained calm through the whole situation, inside and out, kind of. And uh, anyways, it all worked out. My wife said the same thing that she says to me every time something like this happens. God protected us from something. And you know what I say? 
You're darn right he did. Amen. That's how I, you know what? That's right. Maybe we would have got in, started that truck, left, and somewhere on the five had a spin out. Something could have happened. So when my wife says stuff like that, my wife, she's like in tune with the Holy Spirit. You want to go talk to somebody in this church who's going to speak with the Holy Spirit? Go talk to Bibi. So anyways, that was our night last night. <clears throat> I said, oh, I'm going to, and then, then by the time I got home, and I'm weird, like I have to shower the day off me. It didn't matter that it was like one something in the night. I'm like, I got to shower before I go to bed. Like I don't go to sleep with today on me. I don't like to be in today in my sheets. So, so I go in, I take a shower. What do you think I laid there till like 2, 2.30? All I could think about was the truck. You know, how am I going to get my truck? Is it going to get, is it somebody going to cut the catalytic converter off it tonight? Am I going to go and find it up on blocks with no tires? You know, all those thoughts were going through my mind. So I didn't go to sleep very easy. And then, of course, you know what happened after that? I woke up exactly when I was supposed to wake up, which was not sleeping in. And my brain wouldn't let me go back to sleep. So I'm here running on fumes, power of the Holy Spirit. I'm super excited to be here today because I got a good little message for you guys. So before we do that, now that we have these all handed out, everybody's holding your... So I'm going to read from the book of Matthew. Because we do this... We do this monthly around here. I don't know if you've been coming around here long enough. You notice that about once a month we do this, usually the first or second Sunday. Sometimes we wing it. It's not always the first Sunday. That would, like, keep us into a strict set of rules. And I don't want to live that way where I'm just like, it's got to be this. You've got to bend things sometimes. You've know? you got to go with the flow. So these are the words of Jesus. I normally read it from Paul. You guys know I do. Today from Jesus. Matthew, Matthew 26 26 or 28, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat, for this is my body. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for this bread. You may eat it. And he took a small cup of grape juice. I'm sorry, it says here he took wine, but you're going to take grape juice. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Lord, we thank you for this cup. We thank you for the commitment that you did for us, Lord. We thank you for the work that you did on the cross, the blood that was spilt, Lord, and we know that this represents it. Lord, let us take this in unity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may drink the cup. Okay. Okay. So, last week, we talked a little bit. We read from the Christmas story from the angle of the shepherds. And I enjoyed that. So, today I'm shifting. We're going to look at the Christmas story from the angle of Joseph. Um, and I just started to think about what Joseph went through. And you guys know me. You know me. I'm like, got to break it down line by line. I like to look into stuff. I like to think about it. I like to empathize the situation. I want to imagine being that person in that moment, what they were thinking, what they were feeling, what they were doing. And so I just started thinking about his story, and I'm reading it over and over, and I just thought, I started to think, 
It's hard to follow Christ. It's easy to come in here and sit down and not know Christ and hear the message of salvation. It's easy to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to follow you. That's easy. The hard part is everything that's going to take place in your life after that. Because now, your decision just made you a different person. But Chris, I'm still the same. No. The Bible says you're a new creation. You may look the same. You may sound the same. Some days you may talk the same. But you're a new creation. Something is new. Something's afoot. So, it's hard to follow Christ, and it's even harder when it requires you to go against the norm of the world. I'm a Christian. I like to pray. I like to do this. When somebody's hurting, I like to tell them, I like to pray with people when they hurt. Are you allowed to do that at your job? All right, private business owners, set the rules. When you work for Walmart, are you allowed to pray for your employees? But do you do it anyways? Excellent. <laughs> it's hard to travel the path less followed. It is. The enemy that's against this church helped those people write those stupid rules to shut down the good news. You know where you spend the majority of your life? Work. 2,000 plus hours a year. 52 times 5, 250 days a year, 8 hours out of the day, 8 to 10 to 12 hours out of the day, you spend at work. You spend more time at work than with your family. You spend more time at work sleeping. You spend more time at work. And it's the one place that you're not allowed to talk about your faith. So do you conform? We all encounter a moment or two or 50 in this life when we are presented with something that makes no sense. Yet God's telling you to trust it and he's telling you to follow his instructions. That's a difficult place to be in. When you're at work and your boss is over here and this person's talking about how maybe they lost somebody close to them, and the Holy Spirit reaches into your heart and says, you need to pray for that person right now, and your boss is right there. That's a hard place to be in. Because do we cower, and we wait, and then we go, hey, can I pray for you? 
But the boldness when the moment came that that boss needed to hear your faith, you wavered. Or do you? There might be a moment or two or 50 when that's going to come. And it doesn't make sense. Because you're like, God, why would you do that to me right now when you know this is how I pay my bills? God, why would you put me in this situation when everybody's looking at me to act and I know that the Spirit is prompting me to do this right now? Why are you doing that to me right now? We have those moments. Joseph, who was engaged to Mary, had that moment. Hey, that one thing that makes no sense, you knew that if you do it, the world's going to ridicule you, gossip about you. They're going to persecute you, they're going to lie about you, and they're going to make you an outcast. But are you willing to do it anyways? Are you willing to go against all the norm and act on your faith? Sometimes it might just take an angel to show up in your dream at night to have that happen. When we're presented with these moments, it's much easier to just choose the path of least resistance. I'm going to pray for that person in a little while. I heard somebody say something to me once, and I, I, this, is, this is off topic, but I'm just going to share it with you. I heard something, somebody say to me once, we were at another church, and one of, our, uh, one of our people involved in ministries challenged everybody in our church, including the pastor and his wife. She's like, instead of telling somebody that you're going to pray for them, pray for them right then and there. Because you want to know what happens 50% of the time you tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you later, you don't. Stop telling people you're going to pray for them later. Pray with them right there. So I like that. Our faith is built on people not doing the norm. You know that, right? Have you read the Bible? It's a book of people going against the norm. Are you willing to go against the norm? Our faith is built on people living on God's promises. You know my three Favorite words that I hear so many times in the Bible? That's four words. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Three words. Don't be afraid. We hear that so often because fear is the first thing that sets in when you're presented with an opportunity to do God's work. Fear. So, our faith is built on trusting God. And not worrying what man thinks. Is it not? Yeah? Then why do we do it? Why do we do it? I ask this question because I ask myself that same question sometimes. Why, do I, why did I do that? There's nothing that bothers me more than a missed opportunity that I have to think about 17 times for the rest of the day. When I know I didn't act on faith. And I didn't do what God told me to do. You want to hear the truth? Here's the truth. If your pastor had been leaving that party, that concert last night, 
had jumper cables and I'd seen them people stranded, I would have first thought would have been like, no, I don't have cables, man. I just want to go home. Selfish. Selfish. You know how many people said they didn't have cables? About 25 people drove right by. You got cables? Oh, no, man, sorry. Big trucks. You know they had cables. Mechanics. You know they had cables. But you know what I was about to take from them? Time. Time. We got to be honest, right? How many times have we been in that car and seen that person in the parking structure and been like, I don't want to stop and help. I don't have time for that right now. Don't you know I got to be at church in the morning? It's after midnight. I got a 45-minute drive home to Yuba City, dude. There's other people trying to get out of this parking lot. You trying to jam me up? I got to go. That would have been my first thought. You want to know who would have stopped us? The Holy Spirit would have elbowed me and said, you have cables, help those people. That's why God gave me BB. (laughs) Today we're going to look at the story of Christmas from the life of Joseph. Then I'm going to wrap it up and go get that battery and go get my car. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Engaged. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sell that one to somebody. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. Joseph pulled over and said, I know that I really don't have time, but I have jumper cables. Something, the Holy Spirit told me I should stop, so I'm going to do what he says. I'm just kidding. So, Joseph was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. There's a reason for all this. We're going to get to those things. As he considered this, I like the word considered. As he thought, as he pondered, as he weighed his options, the woman I'm going to marry told me she's pregnant by a ghost. The woman I'm going to marry is telling me she's pregnant by the God whom I serve. That's a tough sell. That's a tough sell. Where's all my men in the church? Do you believe her? Good answer. That was my thought too. As they considered, as you all sat there and considered that thought, an angel of the Lord appeared to him 
in a dream. In a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And who? You, Joseph. You are to name him Jesus. You hear that, Joseph? I have a job for you. I need you to stay with her. I need you to have that baby. And I need you to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, still thinking about his catalytic converter. When Joseph woke up, he did what? He did, uh, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. That is a challenging position for Joseph. I grew up in church where we were like, Mary and Joseph in the manger, and it was beautiful, and they loved the baby, and the, you, stop, got it, yes, I love the Christmas story, but I like to dive in to these people's lives. This was not an easy situation, not during this time. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I love that. Mary didn't name him Jesus. The angels didn't show back up on the scene and name him Jesus. You, Joseph, this is your job. First bullet point, Joseph the husband. We're going to probably end early today. We finished worship 15 minutes early, so pastor's going to roll it up. Joseph, the husband. First way we're going to look at him. In that time, marriages were negotiated and contracted by the parents at the time. So, this is our daughter Mary. That's her cousin Elizabeth. Don't look at her. She's not available. This is Mary. You, Joseph, son of David, you guys are going to get married. Marriages were negotiated and contracted by parents. There was no love at first sight. There was love at first sight, but we call that lust at first sight, if you recall David and Bathsheba. Lust at first sight. Love at first sight at this time with marriages? No. Now, there was a one-year waiting period under the contract. This person is now betrothed. They're in agreement. They're in contract. 
for a one-year period. So this is, this is <laughs> where they're at. During this one-year period, Mary's like, hey, I'm about to tell you something crazy. Sit down. Do you know how the prophets said this and this and this and this and this? Well, guess what? An angel, an angel showed up to me a while back, told me I was going to give birth, that I was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Are you still sitting down? This is a tough sell for Joseph. So they're in this one-year contract. She tells him this. This is what else goes on. They did not live together or have intimacy during this time. So Joseph's like, well, hold on. That's not mine. That's not mine. I'm really trying to dig your story about the Holy Spirit and this impregnation and this angel thing, but I'm kind of confused. What was the waiting period for, guys? The waiting period was to demonstrate the faithfulness of the Pledge of Purity at this time. That's what this demonstrated, the Pledge of Purity. You knew that that woman that you were going to be with was going to give offspring and it would be yours. One year waiting period. Not nine months, not six months, one year waiting period. She's clean, she's ready to go, she's all yours. Go make a family. One year waiting period to demonstrate faithfulness and their pledge of purity. Now, let's get to the fun stuff. If a woman was to be found with child, she was not pure or faithful to her husband. That's pretty obvious, Chris. Yeah, I know. This is what Joseph was thinking when she sat down and told him this story. What do you think happened at this point? Well, I'm going to agree with what I wrote here. Joseph's heart was broken when he discovered her with child. Wouldn't you be? We're in contract. I've chosen you. I'm admiring you. I'm courting you. We're not living together yet. We're dating. I'm digging you. And now, you're telling me this crazy story. And sorry, I'm not buying it. He loved her so much, though, that he did not want to disgrace her publicly. Why, Chris? Why didn't he want to do it publicly? Because if he did it publicly, Jesus wouldn't have been born. Why, Chris? Because such an act could have resulted in Mary being stoned. If they had gone and Mary had broken the commitment of the one-year pledge to wait in contract, negotiated to marry Joseph, Mary would have been stoned to death. That was the custom at the time. So, we can't have that in a Christmas story. Now, next bullet point here is Joseph the Believer. I love that. Bill the Believer. Gav the Strong. 
Gav the strong back there too. Bibi the discern. I'm going to come up with one for you, Mike. Just give me a second. <laughs> Let's look at some things as Joseph the believer. Because some things are going to take place here in the story of Joseph where Joseph is going to do something that makes absolutely no sense to everybody. Joseph was of the bloodline of David and Abraham, was he not? Joseph knows he's a righteous man. He's of the bloodline of David. During this time, I would imagine that most Israelites were practicing the traditions of their faith. They knew the they didn't have TV, they didn't have Netflix. I don't think they read a lot of books. They didn't have a billion things on their mind. So when I say that these people knew and understood the scripture, they knew and understood the scripture. So Joseph is of the bloodline of David. So tribe of Judah, I imagine that he has a good understanding of this. Joseph, as many were at the time, was likely educated in the coming of the Messiah. But when God calls you out on the spot, don't you doubt it? You're like, ah, I don't know about that, God. Ooh. You know? You're like, I don't know. I understand I read the Bible and all those things happen in the Bible, but I just, in my own life, I don't know. When I found out I was, uh, when I found out through Ancestry.com that I was, had a dad that I never met, saw the guy's picture online, I'm like, look, it's an old, tired me. It was a joke, you know. I ended up, I, I looked, I looked, I looked at the pictures and I'm like, that's my dad. So all of a sudden I was able to say, this is like something that you watch on TV or you read in the news or there's a documentary, but it's happening in my life and I'm the star. Whoa. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about right here. This is the position that Joseph was put in. He's like, is that really me? I'm the guy? Not in, here's the best part, guys. This is where it gets good. And this is what I... I tried to draw on because there's something here in this next bullet point that is different than the other stories. Bullet point C, let's put it up. Not in person, but in a dream. An angel told Joseph that her pregnancy was not by man, but by the Holy Spirit. Why? The angel Gabriel showed up in person and told Mary she was pregnant with the Holy Spirit. The angels showed up last week to the shepherds in person and told them about the good news that they should investigate it. And then a vast host of armies of angels were there. But Joseph, when he encountered this angel, it was not in person. It was in a dream. 
I have a theory behind that. I'll share it with you. <laughs> You're like, Chris, that was, that was far out. I said it's a theory. It's not scripture. It's my opinion. It's a non-essential. You guys know the difference between essential and non-essential? Good. The angel showed up in a dream because if the angel had showed up in person, he might have thought, you're the dude that got my wife pregnant. Come here trying to tell me this, you're an angel story that my wife's pregnant. No. That's what I believe. I believe it had to happen in a supernatural way. And that was through his dream. So that it took place, it felt so real, yet he was seeing something, a vision, but it had to take place outside of the normal so that he would believe it. Why did you, how did you come up with that theory, Chris? BB and I are engaged for a year. BB comes, tells me she's pregnant. An angel, some person, like the people that came into Sodom and Gomorrah, a physical being is going to show up and be like, hey, your wife really is pregnant with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to think it's that dude. <laughs> Period. It's my theory. It's a theory, guys. I said it was a theory. I believe it had to happen in a supernatural way, and that's why, the, that's why in Joseph's story, the angel showed up in his dream, not in person. Because I think it was, let's not leave nothing to doubt. Joseph needs to know, Joseph needs to be 100% assured of this. And that could only take place in a dream, in a vision. That was my theory. Okay, D. I like this. Joseph the believer, the angel commanded him that he would name the child Jesus. Remember when the angels commanded the shepherds to go look for the child? No, because that didn't happen. But this angel, in Joseph's dream, commanded him, she's going to give birth, you're going to stick around, and you are going to name him Jesus, my friend. Got it? We're clear? Okay, wake up. What did, the, what did the angel tell him? He told him that he would be the coming Messiah that was prophesied. See, if some dude, some random guy showed up while I was awake right now on my way to the parking lot and said, your wife is pregnant with the coming Messiah, I wouldn't believe him. But in a dream I would. I'd wake up and be like, that was the most supernatural experience of my life. Wow. That's why it happened in a dream. He reminded him of the prophecy regarding the virgin with child. Do you remember this, Joseph? From everything you've been taught, everything you know, scripture, the laws. Do you remember when the prophet wrote? Look, Joseph, it's like the prophet wrote of a, a virgin will be with child. That is your Mary. You are going to be the father. And you, my friend, are going to name that child Jesus. Are we clear? 
These words must have brought Joseph comfort and a reminder of the promises of God. Because remember I told you already, theoretically speaking, he's got to be heartbroken. Man, I was going to marry this girl. I thought it was going to work out. She told me this crazy story about being pregnant with God's kid. I don't want them to stone her. I like her. I like her a lot. Now this angel shows up in the dream, not in person, in a supernatural way that he can't doubt, in a supernatural way that he can't question, shows up and tells him, hey, the woman you're betrothed in engagement with for a year, she is pregnant, as she told you, with the Holy Spirit's child. You remember the prophecy about it? That's your Mary. That's what took place. These words brought Joseph comfort. Okay, bullet point three, Joseph the father. In light of the truth, in light of his faith, in light of his hope, in light of his supernatural experience, in light of this, Joseph remained with Mary regardless of gossip in the community. Two gossips are going to take place. They were fooling around when they shouldn't have been, or she's pregnant with somebody else's kid. Oh, look at the baby in the manger. The Christmas story, it's so beautiful. Yeah? This is what was taking place. Two gossip stories. They were not pure and faithful during their pledge. Or she was not faithful and pure during her pledge. What did Joseph do, you guys? This is what he did. He violated all customs and traditions by immediately taking Mary into his home and not waiting the year. It says right after that that he took her as his wife immediately. He immediately took her as his wife. They didn't wait the year. He took her home, made her his wife, but he did not have relations with her. He obeyed the angel and took Mary as his wife, but did not have relations with her during that time. No need to leave anything to chance. Mary says she's pregnant with the Holy Spirit. It kind of had me spooked. Angel showed up on the scene, told me it's real. I really can't count that one out because it happened in a dream. This angel knew everything, talked about prophecy, told me I was going to be the dad and name this kid Jesus, so I'm holding on to that. Well, instead of everybody gossiping about Mary, I'm going to bring her home right now. I'm going to take that away. But because I still want to make sure it's the Holy Spirit's kid, I'm not going to have anything to do with her yet. I'm going to fulfill my one-year commitment. He obeyed the angel, took Mary's wife, but did not have relations with her during the time. What else did he do? He obeyed the angel and named the baby Jesus. He named the baby Jesus. Last verse there. But he did not have relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Last bullet point of the day, don't put it up yet. 
put it up here. I'm going to share it one step at a time, and then you can put it up after I get all three. Joseph raised Jesus as his son. Joseph raised Jesus as a father and as a believer. You're my son. I'm going to be your father. And we believe it. He was faithful. Everything that took place for Joseph before this birth was very, very, very difficult to deal with. Very hard to chew on. Very hard to chew. Uh, I put a lot of empathy into his story and just kept reading it and thinking, what would I have been feeling? And that's when I got to that part about the angel in the dream. And I'm like, huh. And I started to think about it because it just says, in a dream. Sometimes the Bible, there's no hidden cryptic code, okay? There's no hidden cryptic code here. <clears throat> Don't sit there and go try to put it into a computer and type up some source code and be like, oh, according to all these things and these words and these numbers and they calculate this and do that and this verse says this and that and this and you go over here and that and you put all these numbers together and it says the world and Jesus is coming back December 29th, 2024. That's not what's happening in the word of God. It's a very simple book. And the simple words why I read were, As, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. It was in a dream. And when I read that, I kept thinking, all right, so this, he's, in, he's sleeping, he's having this take place. And then I started saying, wait a minute. The angel showed up in person with Mary. And I just taught everybody that the angels showed up to that shepherds. Why did the angel show up in a dream to Joseph? Why? Same story, same group of people, same prophecy being fulfilled. This is not, this is all the same crowd. But one person's encounter was different. So I had to ask why. You heard my theory. Non-essential. You can come up with your own theory. Because now that I've pointed it out to you, you'll probably have to come up with one. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that... I thank you, Lord, that you put yourself in the position to tell Joseph what he needed to do. I thank you for Joseph's faith when nothing made sense. I thank you that you specifically designed Joseph to be who he was going to be so that you could show up in a dream and supernaturally let him know what he needed to do so that he could fulfill the prophecy, Lord, so that you could come down to this earth and that you could be born and that you could be our Savior and that you could save the world from its sins. Lord, and during this season, we, 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 we are focused, Lord, on your first coming. That first time you showed up on the scene and you showed up quietly, and you were the good news that we've been waiting for. 2,000 years ago, you showed up on the scene, and we are waiting for you to return. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for our, 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 this, this family, Lord. We are the same, this church, this family, Lord. I thank you, Lord, 
I thank you in advance for all these people's lives. Give everybody traveling mercies, Lord. Supernaturally do something to fix that truck so I'm not downtown too long. I thank you, Lord, what you're going to do. I thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.